Hey, thank you for checking out this episode. If you missed our conversation on the last episode on Talking Everything Parliament, I encourage you to log on there and, and check it out. This episode is a continuation of that conversation and it might help to get a better context of the discussion here. Thank you. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Talking Ghana. Talking Ghana is a podcast devoted to the left, right, and center of Ghana's politics. For each episode, my friends Papa, Oliver, Nelson, Oting, and I offer our refreshingly opinionated and highly controversial take on the key issues and themes shaping Ghanaian politics. My name is Mame Mensa Bonsu. I'm a legal academic and passionate scholar of our constitution, an unashamed legal positivist, co-host, and sometimes strident contributor to this podcast. Come out to set their own benchmarks, but it's it's it, unfortunately we we are in an executive presidential system where the president is presumed to have a mandate that over the uh, over the period of four years, and he then decides the ministers who could help him to better uh, prosecute that mandate. And um, I, I think so far they allowing them to. Uh, to do that is fine. Um, but you see, but, for me, it's, it speaks to the question also of who has control of the public purse. So parliament should say, no, we are not approving funding for more than 60 ministers. It speaks to their authority as the ones who control the public purse to make those determinations. That, that would be great, yeah. Uh, although, although I have a feeling that they, they might be charged with contempt. So, <laughs> um, contempt against who? Uh, <laughs> I think when there's the bat of contempt swinging in they, every direction, they, they, <laughs> I I just wanted to throw in the word contempt because uh, <laughs> I know Oliver, you've been boiling with this contempt matter. Oh my god! So let's give you the space to um to speak to it, and uh, I have the one who's to do. <laughs> yes, sorry. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was going to circle around to contempt. Um, but from the the, I, the the point of view, before we get into our, our thoughts on the on the contempt hearings themselves, I kind of wanted to talk about the idea of a sitting MP um, facing contempt. So one a member of the other of one wing facing contempt before the other wing, um, and, and what your thoughts are for that. For a, is there potential power struggle? Are, are there, is this? A case of him standing as an before the court as an individual and the institution is not brought into it at all, or do you see that um, it opens the way for for Parliament to um, sort of butt heads with the with the judicial power? And would it make a difference if he had been on the majority side? Um, I'm wondering if just because I know Oliver has you know strong views on this. Let me just put in my my small talk, um, I'm wondering if parliament approves that MPs who are lawyers could apply their trade, is parliament then by effect allowing the courts to exercise the, their power, their, you know, their power over the conduct of 
lawyers appearing before them, including those MPs? And yeah. would Parliament be able to now come back and say, you know, well, if if yeah, if when he was acting, he, he was acting. I mean, the conduct for which he's been held in contempt was uh, during his work as a lawyer, not as an MP. You know, would would Parliament then be in in its right to say, you know, you are kind of um, undermining my work as Parliament and so on? So that, that's how that's my question. You know, I think it's a it's a good question. Um, the cue I'll take I'll take from here is that in in serving a year on this matter, the the summons was sent to Parliament and for the clerk to serve him. In in that, okay. then the he wasn't being considered an, in an in, as acting an individual capacity. Okay. But the substance of the contempt issue itself, um, the comments that he's making. Well, first of all, Aina is a spokesperson for the petitioner's team. And it's not personally appearing before Parliament, uh, before the court, the Supreme Court, in the matter. So he's not been announced ever before the court, and in, in he's only largely part of the petitioners' legal team, right? Um, so I, 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 I perhaps my my sense there would be that well, to the extent that the contempt issues was not that he was being cited for contempt as a lawyer who is appearing before the court. But that's for his public commentary in his capacity and role as spokesperson. Then, as a legal team member, of a of a legal team, right? Or, I mean, yeah. anybody can be a, a lawyer to to the petitioner, um, but not necessarily having to appear before the Supreme Court in in any sense. Um, but from what the court is saying generally, because one of the things, and if you remember when I appeared on Need trial on this, the distinction I was making was that one of the things lawyers in our jurisdiction have set for themselves. It, and under our own professional ethics is that if you're appearing before a court, then you would not give any interview to the press at all, irrespective of what you're coming to say before the court. And I think that if lawyers have decided that for themselves, then that's the standard that they have decided to hold themselves by. That this should not be applied to the broad citizenry as to whether or not people can comment on, on matters of public interest, even if it is before the court. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what was the question again? If, Sorry, I'll give you the context uh, in a second, but I, I, I want to push back on your statement right now. If you are a senior lawyer, so senior that you've been deputy AG before, yeah. you understand the role of the Supreme Court in the legal profession, mm -hmm. and you are a member of the legal team, you're not simply, no, you haven't been announced, but you yourself publicly announce yourself as member of the legal team exactly you hold yourself out <laughs> of the legal team then though you may not have been announced before the court all lawyers in court are before the court they may not be be on their feet before their court but all you cannot be a lawyer in in a courthouse and misbehave in the, in the courthouse that you are not before the court so you, you can do whatever you like right to the extent that you are in that capacity i think you are bound by the ethics of the profession and by, by the, the rules that you would have expected a more junior lawyer to abide by. So I, I think the idea that you're seeing is being cited in his personal capacity as a lawyer or in his capacity as the sp spokesperson of the legal team and member thereof. I think yeah. in that, you, you, you have to draw the line um, a little less finely 
because I don't think you can separate them so completely. But the context I, I gave was that um, my question was, was whether it would make a difference, one, if he was on the majority side, if he was um, a, an MP in government, um, and two, whether this matter in any way sets the two um, branches on a potential collision course, even if it's only by, by means of a precedent that allows one to, to make incursions into the other's um, space. That was my question. No, I just I just have a couple of uh, I mean, this is this is a territory that uh, is quite unfamiliar. So I, I'm not sure I will have any uh, well informed opinion. But I just have a couple of questions. Um, so I just had a couple of questions for for you, Oliver. As you, if you could also, I remember in 2012 during the uh, petition uh, in the 2012 on the 2012 election. The actual hearing was in 2013. Um, some people were also cited for contempt. So maybe if you could, you know, whether the the positions that you take is the same for people who, uh, you know, pass commentaries that the court considers to be contemptuous. Um, does it change if the person is a lawyer? Uh, and is is it the same for for people like us? So uh, I, I, plebs, I think yeah. so. Let me start first with my main question. I think that the bigger problem around this contempt issue is is my personal view as to the court continuing to exercise or claim a power which is completely, in my view, unconstitutional, vis-a-vis -vis our rules on what freedom of speech is, especially as it relates to the idea of the contempt on scandalizing the court. And, and I'll go deeper to, to put the, that contempt in, in its proper historical context. But I, there's an interesting angle that you draw out as to even the exercise of the power itself vis-a-vis -vis whether or not it's putting the court on a coalition court with, with parliament even reinforces my view as to why better restraints should have been shown by the Supreme Court in this, in this particular matter in a way in which it is exercising the power. But also importantly, and because I'm saying that the problem is from the way in which the court is construing powers it doesn't have and exercising it, I do not think that anything will change if Ayine was with the majority uh, rather than with the minority. Because the problem isn't with Ayine or anything he said. Because mind you, even when the court was speaking, it wasn't saying that it was punishing Ayine because he was a member of the legal team who shouldn't have addressed the press, the media at all, but that he said something that they considered to have scandalized them. And so that's where the problem... The, the, the problem is, and I want to address that a bit. So the, the contempt on, on scandalizing the court is something that started in medieval England, which was at the same time where we had the same views as to or the less majesty rules that the king can do no wrong. And so you cannot speak ill of the king. And this was when the, the, the monarchy was trying to es establish itself. And the court was seen as an extension of the monarchy. So if the, monarch, the court was exercising powers on behalf of the monarchy, if he said anything against the, the, the judges themselves, then we're saying it against the king, the person of the king. Now, over time, we have lost these rules, in, even in, 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 in other areas as to this idea of the superiority or the supremacy over, over the monarchy and, and ability to criticize the monarchy. We've lost that. But the court has continued to assert for itself this idea that you can't scandalize them and you cannot subject them to what they consider to be uncharitable scrutiny. And what is curious is that even in England, where this practice started from, 
as far back as 1899, courts of England were saying that scandalizing the court has become obsolete, but that they were maintaining it only for the colonies, where they continue to have uncivilized, uneducated, and ill-informed people who would come against British uh, distant judges representing the crown, that we need to preserve it to inspire, to put the fear of God in them. So it's, it's curious to me that looking at even its history and the sort of the racist basis for which it was extended to the colonies, that our cause today, even in a constitutional democracy, will continue to claim that they are being scandalized by comments which people were commenting on matters before the court. When all over the world, there's a tendency where courts are showing restraints in how they're exercising the power and saying that nothing which is said of our judgments should scandalize us so much as to exercise to punish somebody, because that is what, in fact, will create disrespect for the judiciary. So this is my general sense that I do not even think that the power exists. Now, secondly, on the, in the question you make in relation to the last election petition and this one, and I was on record for saying that the court was wrong even in citing the people of contempt and even the way in which it did it, because it was almost like being called into the school, school headmaster's office and being punished. And, I, and, and someone as a schoolboy who has been on that end of those kinds of punishments for so long, it was something that reminded me, reminded me of, uh, of my troublesome childhood that I didn't want those memories revisited. But in Ken Crunchy's case, for instance, who was sent who took Atache's advice and appeared before the court and said that, no, you cannot, of your own self, invite me for comments which are made out outside of court and not in your presence, and tell me that I must purge the contempt by apologizing to you, if not, I would impose punishment on you. And I think that this is constitutionally improper, that it has, your fair trial rules are not sacrificed, if you read our constitution clearly, regarding restraints on liberty, that you need to have a proper trial on the basis of which your, 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 your liberty can be restrained. And this is what happens in, even in, in other jurisdictions where contempt has been, have been prosecuted. That the attorney general takes up the matter and prosecutes you. You have all the right to representation. You can argue your matter before this thing. And all the proper evidentiary barriers would have to be, would have to be established before you're, you're convicted. In our case, the yeah, Supreme Court has even said... Yeah. Finish, because I... I, I... Uh, yeah, I'll go for the tangent. So you, you, yeah. you finish. That in, in our case, the Supreme Court has even said that even if the matter which with your claim to have scandalized the court with was even true, or that was justifiable, you can still be found guilty of, of, of having scandalized the court. And, and so this whole matter, for instance, you remember when Muntaka had said that the Supreme Court justice had called a member of parliament to try to, to, to sway the member of parliament through correct means to vote for for Michael Quay, even if that was established to be true, the court can assert for itself that it was scandalized, for which reason its esteem is being reduced and then punish you. And I think that is completely ridiculous, especially in considering the fact that there are no proper procedural mechanisms to check how the court is claiming to exercise these powers. And one of the things I've said is that let's think carefully about even when we say that what, what is scandalizing the court or bringing the work of the court into disrepute. We've been in this jurisdiction democracy where judges have over 100 judges, including courts, judges of the superior courts, were on video taking goats as bribes to change judgment, to set oh. people free. None of them went to jail. Zero. And all of that, the judiciary is telling is that somebody criticizing the bench for, for, for whatever comments that they, in their own esteem, still that is uncharitable to them. Is, that is what is scandalizing the courts. We are in a country where people, there are matters before the court which have over 50 years are still in court today. We have matters where people have brought matters in, in election petitions for, for, parliament, for parliamentary elections where 
the, the people challenged have served their full term before the court decide the matter. All these things are not bringing the judiciary into disrepute. But however, when people exercise their democratic right to comment and criticize the court in however uncharitable terms, I do not think that the freedom of, of, of speech gives, should any, any particular branch of government should be immunized against unfavorable speech, no matter how uncharitable. And I don't think we reserve this for the presidency or parliamentarians. And I don't think that judges should claim this for themselves. So these are some of the general problems I have, Mami. I'm a fan of the contempt power, so I feel I feel called upon to, to, to stand for my people on this one. <laughs> okay. You, you, Oliver, you are here by charge with contempt. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's as easy as that. You see, that's, that's my problem. That to even criticize the court for saying that you have not properly exercised it, they can find you in contempt. And I think that's completely ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm... I'm, I'm even in this context, Mami, before you intervene, remember that the judicial service today through his lawyers, issued uh, yesterday, through his lawyers, issued a gag order to media people, media houses, telling them to delete any comments which are unfavorable to the uh, charitable or criticizing the courts, or else they'll take action against them. And directing that, and the reason why we need to protect the contempt powers is that the majority of Ghanaians, and this is their language I'm quoting, are largely uninformed and uneducated. And that is why we need to maintain contempt powers. In a democracy, I mean, I don't know how you're coming to defend this, but I really want to hear this. So two things I'm going to push back on. First is that I, I have an automatic and totally negative reaction to in other countries and everywhere else they are doing. Do we live everywhere else? Everybody's got their reality and their circumstances. And as much as we should look to other places for wisdom, we do not look to other places for um, binding authority because our circumstances are ours and we have different challenges from some of the other places and the u.s may be doing something the u.s is 200 years old so some of the things it's doing today it has the liberty to do today it wouldn't have dared do when it was 64 years old so straight off i have this i'm very very anti-global constitutionalism uh, as a position of philosophy that here's where my admiration for scalia comes in it is the Ghanaian constitution we are interpreting, the Ghanaian, okay? It doesn't matter what other people are, have said. What matters is what we have said will be our relationship with each other. And we may say that, oh, you know, these people have that problem and they did it that way. It doesn't mean that the way we do it is wrong. It means we could take a book, a, a leaf out of their book, or we could not. So I react very negatively to any argument that starts with other people don't do it anymore. But to the substance of the, of the contempt, uh, the contempt part and why I think it is justified in our circumstances and in general and generally in republics, actually. Yes, its history is monarchical and yes, its history is the defense of the monarchy, but we don't live with something only because of its history, we live with it because of its current utility. So we, you look at a, a Republican system where you have accountability to the people in the executive um, supposedly controlled by elections, and the same for the par for parliamentary um, positions. This Sherry is not elected and has no neither power of force nor power of the purse. The judiciary relies entirely on public legitimacy for its strength. It depends on the people having confidence in it and believing in it because it has no power to enforce anything itself or to take, spend any money or allow or disallow anything financially. 
It depends very directly on what the people think of it. For which reason, who is, what the people are allowed to hear about it in, in to influence the people's thought of it matters in a way that perhaps it doesn't matter in other places where everybody has access to all the information in other, other places. But in Ghana, it matters what people think of the judiciary. Because, and when people lose faith in their judiciary, they resort to self-help. Self-help resorted to on mass scale takes a society back to the state of nature where strength and might is right. So it is important that people should be able to subscribe to the judicial power. In order for that to stay, stay the case, we must be careful who is saying what about the people, about the, about the court. Now, if the court is scandalized because um, somebody said that the, the judges eat too much, that's one thing. But when comments are about the competence, the impartiality, or the, uh, or, or the utility of that forum, those comments have the power to create disaffection in the people. And so I don't think that our freedom of speech, which is not absolute in our constitution, by the way, for a reason, uh, the reason being that we are a fractious society now creating our glue. So we can't allow people to say anything that comes to their heads just because they have the right to speak. We have a, a society now building our glue. And so we do need to ensure that not every thought ends up in the public space. And if they cite the hairdresser for contempt for what she had said in her salon, that's one thing. When the, the former deputy uh, attorney general, when the, the, the spokesperson of the legal team of, the sec of one of the two most important political parties in our country say something, it has disproportionate effect on what the majority of the, of the country thinks. And I hate to be patronizing, but in our last census, um, our literacy rate was held to be at 74%. And that literacy rate of 74% was according to the census report itself. Um, literacy was defined as able to read and write a simple sentence in the language. So if, we are dealing with, with those levels of literacy. We are not expecting that people are reading everything. They are listening more than they are reading. They are listening and they're not necessarily, they're not bound to listen 18 times. So when you have a platform that people listen to, you have a responsibility that comes with it in a young and fractious Republic to use that platform to communicate what you think of the Supreme Court without and, and sowing, um, sowing disaffection unnecessarily. If you think you have been unfairly treated, you may say that you think you were unfairly treated, but you may not create the impression that the judges are not to be trusted. And then expect that we live in this country, we have to worry about the consequences beyond today of what we say and do here. So I think the contempt powers are, are justified in a republic because of the nature of judicial power. And I think that for as long as the people, until the Supreme Court starts citing people who are not in, on public platforms, who are not, um, who have no ability to influence anybody other than their cat, until the Supreme Court starts citing those people for contempt, I will be on their side about the power of contempt. And I think that in other countries too, despite their need to do trials, and there are places where you can actually get, you can get cited for contempt and get slammed in jail 
um, for an hour or two because you annoyed the judge and you were, so the judge told you to stop being rude. I didn't mind them. It happens in other places as well. Yes, on a more serious matter, you would get a trial and all of that. But I think that we have to answer some of these questions with the reality of our situation and also with an understanding of Republican theory and how the three branches work and each maintains its um, position. So, so I could so, go on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a very good, I, I really like your point. And, you know, when we look, look at our history, the one thing that we also shouldn't forget is that we've had a case where judges were rounded up at night and killed and bent and it's, all it's, that. It's, it's been, so, let's, so been no, no, let me, let me finish. And but, made mountains of no, but no, it's a very, no matter what you, it's, no, but it's, it's, no, let me, talking about how our, no, Oliver, see, the reason why, okay, talking about how our history has shaped our experience, you can't, you can't really ignore that, uh, that sordid episode of our history, but I just wanted to ask Mami this question, where does, individual freedoms feature into this because i can see the justification for for all that but don't you think that without any clear standard uh being laid out and and maybe the in the case of dominic ayine is very clear but i in 2013 i was really worried that People will just be invited to the su Supreme Court. Um, and all that they are supposed to say is that they are sorry and not even try to contextualize and explain whatever they said. And then they are, if they don't do that, they are thrown in jail. I, I think that society, for me, also given our history with the Nkrumah days and, and all that, I'm also worried about that. that, that uh, giving the courts too much power in ways that then they exercise it to the detriment of our individual. So how do you factor the, that, that into the- Let me say, I was a fan of the, of the 20, I was, I was a fan of the 2012 uh, contempt hearings. What? Yes, because we now sit here, how many years on our country intact and look back and say how utterly and it was incomprehensible it was. Um, in 2013, the country was more tense than I have ever seen it. And an election petition for the very first time in our history had been brought before the Supreme Court. Had the Supreme Court given a ruling? Had the Supreme Court done anything out of turn? No. At the beginning of the, of the hearings, people are sitting on radio talking about how they don't expect anything good to come out of court, how this, and this in a country that is attempting to keep post-electoral violence from erupting. It is utterly irresponsible and it is contemptuous of the court. Oh, can you hear me? We can hear you. We are just scared. We are just scared. Maybe the silence is just our disapproval. we are afraid you will hold us in contempt, so we are not speaking. We are so passionate about this contempt matter, we are afraid. On, on the Munchie 3 um, that that is, is due to come out later this year. So I actually spent a lot of time reading about the contempt power um, here and in other places and thinking about the contempt power and, and what it means and what its use is. 
And in 2012, that contempt power um, may have kept people from, from that could uh, disaffection that could result in violence. So, and I, again, if these, these comments had been about the Supreme Court's decision after it had made them, or at the point where it was going to make them, I may have had a different view. These comments all came at a time when the Supreme Court itself was now setting up and was now figuring out how it was going to manage this thing had never come before it before. You have these momentous, the Natalia Archery calls them constitutional. Um, but, yeah. I, I just wanted Papa's view on, on this yeah. because this is, when I'm, I'm always worried when people invoke existential, some existential threat. As the basis for as the basis for taking people's liberties. Because you see, the, this idea that in 2012, there was a tense moment. I completely where, where, where is the evidence? You know, what is, was there, is there an independent means of verifying the level? I don't, think, level? I don't think, I think irrespective of a tense moment, you don't, you don't prosecute people without hearing them. I think that was my position in 2012. That's my position today. Yeah. Yeah. That there's no way, there's no way you can you can prosecute somebody, jail the person, and not hear the person, and just yeah. demand an apology from the person. And because of your powerful position, the person succumbs, and 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 because also of the fear of being in prison, the person succumbs to that. Yeah. I, I I mean, where is the? I mean, I don't know. Can, can and, crunchy, and also, can crunchy, you, all mm. he asked for before the court was that I want a trial. That's what he said. That I want a trial. That in the free liberty case that has come before the Supreme Court uh, passed in this country, there was a proper trial. That's all that Atachi advised him as a lawyer to, to ask. Yeah. The court said they wouldn't have any of it yeah. and that he had to apologize. Eventually, when they went back before, they said, okay, fine, I apologize. The court said, no, I'm not convinced. So here, take 10 days and go and sit in the cooler. Like what? And on the basis that our country is going to collapse because somebody is criticizing the court. I mean, even even in this, even in the Muntier three case. I mean, I completely, I think the comments are completely abhorrent. But even in that case, the Attorney General should have taken the matter up and prosecuted them for committed them for contempt. So they defend themselves, and then on the basis of it, we throw them mm -hmm. into the this thing. If we felt that, but to say that no, the country will break apart. I I, so I, I would call you before me and then punish yeah. you as I please. I don't. Understand. People are entitled to have an opinion. I mean, this this idea that. I mean, I can see clearly in the case of Dominic Ayine. Yeah. In in that specific case where he was in court as a as a lawyer. Yeah. And then coming out and making comments that impute motive. I can see in that sense. But Papa, I agree with you. Even with that, there still has to be. A, a, a trial process where that person uh, uh, is given the opportunity to defend himself. But I can see where that could be problematic. But I don't, I don't agree that sitting on, on a radio station and making your own comment uh, then should lead you in front of five people who expect nothing but an apology and retraction. Um, from you, but just, we shouldn't just, forget I mean, that Parliament also has a power of contempt. Yeah, yes, 
And and I mean, that's one of the things as well. Like, of all the things that have been said about parliament, if they were to be conducting themselves in the same way that the, the judiciary has been, they could also evoke a more forced reasoning as to the country is going to break apart or, as Mami called it, the process of building and putting together a glue of a nation to hold it together. And so bring every Tom and Dick and Harry which says anything about parliament that they find that we don't agree with and punish them on that basis, that our dignity has been impugned. So it is that free fall that we can go down the path which we would have no redemption that is what scares me about the power that has no control about what, so the fact that what the you can say not showing any restraint at all about it you no, know but this has only happened during during presidential petitions election petitions sorry so so the you see so it has only been put on blast in in, in election petition okay. right it's been powers that they're evoking uh, as and when they, they wake up on the wrong side of the bed. So, Mami, my question is that... But if you're calling people... Mm -hmm. No, Mami, I, I was saying that um, on, on one of our episodes, you, you made a point which I, I, I gladly share in about the fact that we should abandon this idea that democracy is some convenient um, and you know less heated process. Um, Kumbaya singing and process. That, and that the, the heart of democracy is heat and contestations and all that. And I'm just struggling to square that with um, your characterization of 2012 and even 2016, or even broadly our, our de democracy uh, has been fragile. Uh, because um, there will always be people who have very strong opinions about what different institutions and different actors are doing. And so when that happens, I I'm not too sure that giving a, a judge or giving a group of judges the power to... Um, essentially imprison people without even going through any process. And that is where my concern is. Um, don't you think that that is a bit too far in, in, in not laying out a fair process where a person who is charged with contempt is allowed to, to, to face trial and, you know, uh, and all that. The heart of democracy is indeed heat. But the idea of that heat is that it should not result in destruction, right? And democracy, democratic theories, and, and historically democracies, uh, Western democracies have been built on homogeneous ideas, homogeneous societies and the idea that there is a common, so there's, a, there's such a common culture that there's a limit to how hot, hot the heat can get in a democratic setup. In that sort of setup, you may not require a contempt power. You may not require a check on the heat because it's only so far it can go. But when you have a by forced borders around some, some, some groups who are historical enemies, you have a harder time creating glue. So while you are 
allowing contestation. And while you are deriving the benefit of contestation, you must keep an eye on the ability of heat to scorch. And the initial power is, is, is separate, it's different, and it's unique. It's a sui generis um, um, situation because the judicial power in any state where the judicial power fails, the state fails, and yet the judicial power has no direct ability to but it has neither power of the sword nor the, or the purse to persuade. So it must, by voluntary submission, maintain its position. That's what makes the need to protect the court exist, right? And so the freedom of speech is a fantastic um, right, which may be absolute in a homogeneous society. In our society, it isn't. Our constitution doesn't even allow it to be. But part of why it doesn't allow it to be is because we have, we have, we have the example of the Rwandan genocide, to know that language, really public language matters to societal um, um, positions, actions, cohesion, and violence. So if we have like the, 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 political, the political process includes some ways of keeping a lid on the heat, the judicial process does not include a political um, check of that nature, which is why the power of contempt remains undefined because you can't really say from what angle that um, dangerous use of free speech will come. And again, the Supreme Court's need for public legitimacy is its check on its contempt power. So people like Oliver are going to make sure that the Supreme Court doesn't ever get cocky about its its um, contempt power. People Absolutely like not. Because I'm always under the injury of contempt. Absolutely not. They've today issued a gag order. I don't this, think they... I, anytime I've spoken about me, and I'm sorry to cut you, but anytime I've spoken out against the judiciary, I have a thousand people in my inbox saying that, be careful, you don't want to practice in Ghana, they would cite you from contempt. There's a strong culture of silence that we have created in our jurisdiction. And I'm speaking out especially against this because we are taking this issue for granted. You see, all of, you of the way the court is con con conducting itself. On Supreme, your news file, and you were reported as having said the Supreme Court has been caught flat-footed, and you're sitting here today talking about contempt anyway. So it's not but that the, everything the, the judici that they have issued a statement asking them to delete all such comments, or if not, they will take action against them. So this is not a, an imagined threat. You see? Yes, I understand that. But we're conflating two things. This is not the Supreme Court using its contempt powers. This is the judicial service. We can deal with that as a separate matter. We're talking about the Supreme Court. The Chief contempt. Justice remains the head of the judicial service. The Supreme Court remains a separate institution from the judicial service. And the Supreme Court has contempt. The judicial service doesn't. When the judicial service says it will take action, it means it will go to court and appear before the court as everybody else does. And it is within its rights to say, if you do this, I will and do that. If do it. It's, within, it's like if, if I... But, Oliver, I can send you a you see, for more, instance, right? That okay, if for you instance, don't retract... Right. Finish, please. I can send you a letter tomorrow that if you don't retract what you said about my hair, I will sue you for defamation. It does not then mean that you must retract it. It means that you face the, the chance that I will sue you for defamation. That's a completely different thing from my ordering you to retract it or go to jail. That's the contempt power of the Supreme Court. This is the judicial service threatening to go to court. And that is okay. also the judicial service constitution right. Hey, so let's first of all, yeah. just because the
right? We're talking about the power of the court when the court is empaneled and sitting. That's a separate thing from the judicial service of which the chief justice is the head. Let me give you two pushbacks. Let me give you two pushbacks, okay? In your own setting up of the issues, one of the examples you give, and this is why I'm always worried about this sweeping generalizations and creating this atmosphere of every the heavens is coming to fall, and so we must exercise undemocratic and dictatorial powers. You can make an example of a Rwandan genocide, and we are always pulling out these scarecrows as if the African state is in a, always at the constant threat of falling apart unless violence is visited on the citizens to preserve the state. The Rwandan genocide had nothing to do with criticism of judges and exercise of content powers. But your evocation of it is to serve a particular purpose. And this reinforcement of this idea that we are so fragile that criticizing the court in however uncharitable terms, and it's the only branch of government that must exercise certain powers to preserve and protect itself, else the whole country will fall apart. It's completely made up. Now, if you are using even the genocide as an example, the people who were being criticized and the people who were being talked about in Rwanda were, 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 were this was executive. So maybe then in preserving the, the spirit of the union, we should give the executive this power to go around and put in everybody in jail because you said the president has a bigger nose than, than, than in, uh, somebody else. Oliver, your, your mic is, is, um, is muffled a bit. So... Um... Hello? Hello. Yeah, mommy, I can hear you, but... Uh... Okay. Um, Papa really needs to get some sleep. So we're going to leave it at this very... and um, frighten everyone with our passionate views on contempt. <laughs> um, but for the moment, for the moment, we're going to remind everybody that this episode about Parliament and not so much about contempt. And, and um, thank you for your, your great views on... On, on what we expect and what, what our parliament needs to, needs to think through a bit more. Um, we hope that our listeners, you'll be back with us next episode. Thank you I, for listening. Is it okay if I wrap up, guys? If I, no, yes, no, yes. That's, I think that's a good wrap up. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it was a yeah. fascinating discussion. I mean, <laughs> I there, there are lots of points I disagree with you on, but I don't have the energy to debate all the time. So... <laughs> You know, when mommy was talking, I just said, Thank God she's not a judge. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> hey! I'm so scared of her right now. No, I don't recognize this mommy anymore. What? <laughs>